Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. Will Davison is the fastest at the test. Confident we'd uh, roll it out pretty fast today. David Reynolds gets the bottle out. It's my first time in the car. It feels completely foreign to any other car I've And we talk to Gary Rogers' new shoe. And, uh, I think uh, the best things that I can do for this season is to finish uh, more or less uh, all the races and to score points. It's all coming up today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Will Davison's Trading Post Falcon topped the timesheets with a lap record at Sandown on the weekend. Davison was thrilled to get the season off to the strongest possible start. Very productive day. Obviously, weather played a bit of a part in the day, but uh, you know, we got through quite a few things. To be honest, it's great to start a year um, you know, with not too many new things to learn. I know everyone here. I know the car very well. His new teammate, David Reynolds, told the V8 Insiders that he did not know what to expect when he took the Bottolo car out for its first laps. So Everything's different. Steering brakes, throttle, gear shift, the way it moves around. It's everything's just so not what I used to. So you know, it's going to take me a few goes. But you know, our pace was quite good. Greg Murphy has told the V8 Insiders that he may remain at Kelly Racing in 2013, even with the team now confirmed that they'll be with Nissan from next year. Into the sport is, is just that an announcement, and, and Kelly Racing obviously have got that to look forward to for next year now, if that involves me or not I mean that's a decision that's going to be made a long way down the track and you know at the end of the day they got to, they've got to decide if um, if uh, they even want to offer offer me a position in, in the team and, and if that happens well then you know then it will be some uh, some interesting interesting thoughts and, and processes to, to have to work out but at this stage you know it's uh, I've got um, current agreements and arrangements and and um, that's the focal. Todd Kelly said that even though the team is making the change to Nissan in 2013 he is not losing focus on his final year with Holden. A pretty big deal for, for both Rick and I to finish the last year of our Holden careers uh, as, as good as we possibly can. It'll be my 15th year as a driver for Holden which is um, a pretty long loyal stint and uh, it's pretty dear to our hearts that we try and get him a few trophies this year but at the same time we're both extremely excited about our future with Nissan Um, the possibility for success is just endless there with the motorsport heritage that Nissan has and for us most importantly to be a factory back team um, now puts us on a level playing field from 2013 with HRT and Triple Eight and FPR and all of those teams we compete against that actually have factory backing. With four out of the 28 cars without sponsorship on the weekend, it means that a seventh of the grid was not fully funded. 
Lucas Dumbrell told reporters that he did have a sponsor, but they were not ready to announce them just yet. Whilst Jonathan Webb and Tony D'Alberto both told the V8 Insiders that they are still looking for funding to fight out the season. Webb said that they are going to approach the season the same way they did in their very first year. Lots of little dribs and drabs out there in sponsorship, but uh, from our point of view, a bit like we did when we first started in the sport, we had a white car, midway through picked up Mother, and at the moment we're going to sort of try and ride the same strategy, and fingers crossed we can pick up someone that we're excited to have on the side of the car. Dalberto said that he had learnt from his past mistakes with sponsorship and took the opportunity to let the fans and sponsors know that there was plenty of room left on his Falcon. It's quite interesting having a white car here today. The amount of people that come up asking questions about, oh, you know, what does it cost? You know, I, I know someone, I can put you in contact with them. Well, you know, it's sort of, and that's sort of what we wanted. We didn't want to um, put a car out there that looks fully sponsored and, and then everyone thinks you're sorted. Uh, we did that in 2010 and and uh, although people didn't probably know what Belmont was, but um, that was really just to fill space and it probably didn't serve the purpose that we needed it to. So um, when we don't have a sponsor for the weekend, we'll just run nothing. So how much does it cost to get your name on the car? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a, a bit of a debate, but probably the space that we've got left on the car, you'd probably get about 700 for it. Webb said his QR scan and wind promotion will provide the team with plenty of data to show potential sponsors. I think the biggest thing for us is trying to show sponsors or potential sponsors that you think outside the box, you come up with a few clever ideas and you know you will get that interest from the crowd, and you know, whether it be in, on the track today or hopefully in social media all next week. And they're good figures. Hopefully we can go to a sponsor and, and try and get them enthused about sponsoring a V8 supercar. Virgin Australia has announced a partnership with V8 supercars, which will see the airline become the official domestic airline of the series. Virgin Australia will transport V8 supercar staff and the majority of the teams to the 15 Australian events across the country and one in New Zealand, as well as offering fans great safe as well as offering fan savings for flights and holiday packages when they travel to those events. Dunlop is also the new sponsor of the development series. The official tyre supplier was confirmed as the naming rights holder for the next five years, with a name change now to the Dunlop series. Carl Reinler told the V8 Insiders that he was happy to have locked in a place at Kelly Racing, with a fair income shed sponsorship on the car for this year, for some fans... It might look like nothing has really changed. It's very different to drive. So today is, is to me, for me, it's about getting used to this new car. It's, it's going to. I've had a look at all the uh, the engineering side of things, the setup, and it's it's a very different, uh, di- very different beast to tame. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders after the break. Adrian Mussolino and Tony Shebecki will join me. Then on the Y Flag Lap, we speak to Alex Bremer on making the move to Australia and the V8 Supercar Series. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. 
To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week on the show from SEN's On The Grid, it's Tony Shebecki. Good evening, Tony. Hello, Craig. You well? I am indeed. And all the better for some on-track action last weekend, as was V8X's Adrian Mussolino. Good evening, Adrian. Good evening. Thanks for having me. It has been an interesting first, well, first outing for the cars, Tony, and uh, we were talking off-air just how strong the crowd has been for the two official test days and it certainly does blow away the uh, the older format where they had the Queensland teams test in Queensland and the Melbourne teams or the Victorian teams test in Winton which was only three years ago now but uh, it, this format completely blows that idea away. Yeah it's quite amazing actually uh, I was there for a few hours on Saturday morning and as I was leaving close to 12 it had already been open for three hours and there was already a great crowd in there and still a great crowd pouring in. I think the fact that it's free, I think that uh, there was a lot of mums and dads and kids and probably mums and kids who had been to a f- their first race meeting ever. Uh, just a great exposure for the, the category, a great way. And the good thing is too that the teams really embrace the fact uh, that, you know, that, that they can get this extra added exposure uh, to the public and they, you know, the drivers are there, they're getting photos, they're taking, they're signing autographs, cars are out on display, they're uh, very amicable to, to have a chat to the punter at the back of the, the grid. Uh, gee, it really paints me out supercars in a, in a great light. I, I, I cover a lot of sports down here on SEN in Melbourne and uh, there's a lot of sports that could learn publicity wise and, and PR. Uh, wise from V8 supercars. Adrian, it is interesting that you do still have a few drivers, though, and and even a couple of teams that aren't so keen about the official test day. And uh, I know one driver famously saying, we don't get paid to test. Well, I think as well the other factor there is it it provides an earlier timetable for the teams who they need to be ready and hit the ground running from mid-February. So it puts added pressure on them as well, and we've had a few who haven't launched their liveries as yet. Um, so there was a few white cars going around and two teams with their livery launches at Clipsal. So, but otherwise, I agree with Tony. I think it's a great success. It it has the feel of a family day, um, like the footy clubs do, and it just works. Um, it's great for the fans. For them, it, it you know gives them a bit of action that long off season. You know that they're sort of have to do without, so I think it's a great success. What really, I think, works for it, Tony, is the fact that they line the cars up on the track, or last year, uh, both years, they've lined them up on the track, and the people can come up and almost touch the cars, and they were packed in, you know, 10 to the dozen type of thing, it was amazing. Yeah, and we've seen that, I can't remember which venue we saw that at, uh, on a race day they opened up. Uh, they put the cars on the track and allowed a track walk during one of the race meets, if I remember correctly, in the um, last year or two. Phillip Island, I think it was. Phillip Island, it was to Phillip Island. And yeah. exactly the same there. Everyone just swarmed onto the track. And it's like, uh, for want of an analogy, I suppose, uh, being allowed to run onto the field at half-time in a footy match, is, or, you know, at the end of a footy match when the, the team in the old days, where the team used to be coming off and there was 10,000 people on the ground and the, the players had to go off through the crowds as they headed towards the race really similar to that. The, the public just love to be a part of it, and if they can get this close and feel a part of it, then that's got to be a good thing. 
Yeah, indeed it is. Now, Adrian, you touched on a fact that one-seventh of the field was running around in a white or unsponsored car. Uh, interestingly, out of those four cars that we're talking about, it is one, Lucas Dumbrell, saying, oh, I've got a sponsor, I've got a sponsor. The other three were genuine when they said, we don't have a sponsor yet. And uh, as you heard in the news, Tony D'Alberto and Jonathan Webb talking about what it's going to take for them to uh, make it through this year with some proper livery on the car. Yeah, I mean, it's tough times and it's not a coincidence that they're the three teams which struggled last season and were at the bottom of the championship. Um, And as we've seen with other teams and their title sponsorships, it's been dependent on drivers moving and um, we've seen Russell Engel with Super Cheap and Carl Reinald with Fair Income Shared, David Wall with Wilson Security. The economy is tough out there and I think that just shows how difficult it is, not just for single car teams as well. I think if you're a title sponsor going to Lucas Dumbrell, no disrespect, but you're not going to be getting podiums, so it's a hard sell. I thought it was fascinating, Tony, that Tony, uh, Tony Shebecki, that Tony D'Alberto was saying that it's 750000 to become the major sponsor on that car because they do have some, uh, you know, associate sponsorships already signed up. Yeah, and look, and I understand the 750000 I think, is um, would probably be at the cheap end too, wouldn't I, I would have thought, mm-hmm. compared to probably what some of the other teams are putting up. But once again, Tony D'Alberto can't... I go out there and spruik the fact that you know he's a chance to get a podium every second or third race. So that's uh, where he has to also fall in line in, in regards to that. But I would have thought some of the, the bigger teams. Correct me if I'm wrong, boys, but I wouldn't have thought you would have got too much change out of a million dollars as the major sponsor of an FPR car or a Holden Racing Team car. No, that's right. And uh, Adrian, where I, I know I think I asked you the question, and I asked a few of the journo's, and only uh, James Phelps from the the Telegraph. Uh, was able to give me an answer of what other sport has that many unsponsored teams and he quickly came back and said the Cronulla Sharks in the NRL aren't sponsored so that would be an equivalent but there's not as well there's not as many unsponsored major professional teams in this country as in other sporting codes as there is in V8 supercars right at this minute. Well, it's also difficult to compare considering if you become a title sponsor in V8 Supercars, you get naming rights. So, for example, Wilson Security becomes Wilson Security Racing and that's not possible in the NRL IFL. So it's a different ball ballgame. Um, as I said, it shows how difficult the economy is at the moment and you know, fingers crossed for those teams that they sort their sponsors out before Clipsal because it's not a good look for them or for V8 Supercars to have an unbranded car at the season start. Mm. Well, ahead of the break, Tony, uh, interesting to see that they're getting more virgins involved in V8 supercar racing. Uh, yes, uh, very interesting to see that, uh, Craig. Uh, <laughs> very well put. Uh, virgin, of course, uh, great to have them on as a sponsor of V8 supercars. Of course, Eddie had have been there for a year now as the international sponsor. Eddie had and Virgin have an allegiance, uh, an allegiance through uh, their international network, so it seemed uh, only reasonable and sensible that Virgin would come on board as well. So that's good for the category. I mean, uh, all the other sports that we know of in our AFL, 
uh, even the NBL all have uh, flight sponsors and in this case it's uh, good that Virgin are going to be putting together packages for the punter out there and make things just a little bit cheaper if you can save a couple hundred dollars and get along to another race outside of your state well then uh, it won't be a bad thing. Mm. Now are Virgin going to be able to fly us to TBA because uh, Adrian my travel agent is really having trouble getting tickets to uh, that destination. Yeah, I wouldn't book anything as yet. Um, there are still a few names being bandied about, so it's a bit of a mystery. We're told that there could be an announcement at Clipsal, possibly on the Thursday before the event. But we're also being told that, you know, don't expect it, that it could be come after. It's a bit of a mystery, that one. And shame for fans who, you know, would have liked to have done that Abu Dhabi, TBA, back-to-back. Um, it's going to, you know be tight for them in terms of travel and booking it so late in the day so not just that for the teams as well um so it's a bit of a concern the longer it sort of gets delayed the worse it is mm. as uh, i always thought it stood for the bahrain autobahn but that's not correct <laughs> no it's not oh, yeah. damn. I, I did oh, have I better change my ticket then <laughs> I, I did have to uh, agree with Martin Whitaker. Perhaps it would have been better not to mention TBA when you release the calendar and just spring on an extra race and, uh, and having told the teams that you were planning on an extra race up front because, uh, gee, it, it does look bad, doesn't it? You don't have sponsors on a car and you're also missing a race meeting location. What it's also doing, though, boys, is we spoke about three teams that don't have a sponsor. I mean, if that TBA was announced as, whether it be India, whether it be Macau, whether it be whatever, there is an opportunity for then the teams to actually go and source into those countries and get sponsorship from there, not just for that race, but, but possibly for the season. I mean, if it was... If it was to be in you know, Macau, well, maybe there's a casino that might want to fork out a million dollars to sponsor a V8 supercar team. So it is limiting the, uh, the, the opportunities that cars also have in regards to selling their product. Mm. Yes. Something needs to be done soon, boys. Yeah, it does indeed. Mm. We need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. We'll be back with plenty more right after this. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Tony Shebecki and also Adrian Mussolino here with me, Craig Ravel. And guys, uh, well, I've left this one for a whole segment because I reckon it's going to take us that long to even scratch the surface. Tony, Nissan, join V8 Supercars. Your thoughts? Yeah, the word out in the street, Craig, is that they're putting uh, two four-cylinder Pulsar engines together to make their V8. <laughs> They're going to bolt them together and that'll be the engine that they'll be using. <laughs> uh, guys, I don't, I don't know whether it's me. I, this one was one of the furthest uh, manufacturers I thought was from V8 Supercars in regards to being the first signing, especially I thought that uh, other names such as Chrysler and Toyota and, and those other sort of uh, manufacturers seem to be more further in line. So for Nissan to come from the back of the field, uh, as I see it, is a major fillip, I would have thought, for V8 Supercars, because I would have, I would imagine that they're probably advanced and down the track with other manufacturers. 
Mm. Well, in fact, uh, my understanding was that any team wanting to have a new manufacturer for the car of the future had to sign by January 30. And so I believe the Nissan deal was done on January 29th. And uh, if there is another manufacturer out there, it is highly likely that they have already signed the paperwork and they're waiting for the time to release it. I thought the way they did the release uh, was interesting. Adrian, what about you? Yeah, I thought, you know, like Tony, it did come from left field considering for weeks maybe into it we were, we kept hearing the rumours about Chrysler and they went on the record to say they were interested in V8 supercars. We even had Dan Rogers come out and say that he was in talks, although, you know, he's very vague about that, but he said he was in talks with Chrysler, so Guess what, we Gar- all assumed it was Chrysler. Guess what, um, Gary said he was in talks with a lot of Australian drivers too for his seat and... Uh, Alex Premat, who we'll hear from in the white flag lap, was uh, certainly uh, right in the middle of those talks. So Gary talking to someone is uh, always an interesting comment. Well, the, where there's smoke, there's fire, and I think you know, Chrysler appears the next in line. But as for Nissan, you know, there is racing heritage there. They do have a history in Australian touring car racing, a very successful one. So it does make sense in that regard. Um, you know, when you stop and think about it, it does make a lot of sense for them. It's ironic that they're the first, considering the controversy of their departure in the sort of early 90s and the sort of fan angst, if you like, after Bathurst 92. So it's just, you know, it all sort of makes sense now, a week after the announcement. But Tony... What I also found interesting, boys, was the fact that uh, Tony Cochran mentioned that 28 is the magic number. There will be no more or, uh, or no less uh, regs out there to sell or, or to get rid of. So if other manufacturers were to come on board, then we're going to be expecting other players to be jumping off the Ford or Holden bandwagon. And I would have thought that uh, those two manufacturers especially would be sitting back thinking, this is just really devaluing what we've got out there if we're going to, have to, if we're going to be losing people over time. I think... And the other magic number he mentioned was five manufacturers he wants to see yeah. about supercars. So that puts a bit of a, you know... There's only so much, that can, so many that can come into play, and as I said, with 28 cars, you, a new manufacturer does have to link up with an existing team. So it's all sort of falling into place now. I think that puts the pressure on Ford and Holden to really lock in their sort of not just their factory teams, but some other secondary teams to sort of protect themselves and make sure they're not just totally squeezed out. Mm. Uh, interesting. An interesting fact was uh, what I learnt was uh, Nissan had been negotiating with Kelly Racing for 18 months. Yeah. That was the lead time on getting that deal up and running. So that's uh, one one thing, as you said, get it, hearing it was Nissan first and Nissan's name not being at the forefront just goes to show that uh, it wasn't as leaky in V8 supercars for once as what it normally is. And, and two, that is an amazing lead time. And uh, one word we heard, Tony, was activation. And I don't know how many people said to me, oh, isn't it great that Nissan have already activated their sponsorship because they had a, a display at the track. I guess it comes more down to sport is not sport. It is business. And now we're talking about advertising activations and mm. brand recognition activations. It's, it's really, it's an interesting concept and it's one that we could spend an hour talking about, but uh, I always like to, when, when talking about things like this, I always like to look at how the, the current players, the people that have invested time and money 
to establish the product that is there now, how they're being looked after. And I, I can relate to the AFL in regards to the 16 teams that were set up there and now these two new teams with Gold Coast and GWS, how the other teams have been looked after in regards to that. Well, it's the same here. Ford and Holden have invested a lot of time and a lot of money into making V8 supercars what it is now. All of a sudden, Nissan comes on board, and I just wonder how much Fiat Supercars are going to give to Nissan in regards to allowing them to establish themselves. We know that Nissan are going to be running the, uh, the, the safety cars for season 2012. So already there's going to be an exposure for Nissan, and they won't even have a race car on the track. So uh, while, while all these plans of grandeur and all that sort of stuff is great and expansion, and I've... I, I, uh, you know, applaud V8 Supercars for going in the direction they're going. I'd just like to make sure that the people that put in the hard work at the start are still there in the finish. Adrian, what's the your other thoughts? interesting thing for me in terms of activation is it's always fascinated me that car manufacturers, how involved they've been in other sports. So we've seen Toyota with the AFL, Hyundai with the A League, Kia yeah. with the Australian Open. Now that the V8 Supercars door is open to them, it, it's going to be fascinating to see um, whether they take that money that they're investing and put it into a sport where they can actually showcase their product. Um, I think that's the big question and as you said, it's all about business and brand activation and sponsorship. Well, it's interesting. Some might say that the skyline is the limit. Yes, Tony, beautifully done. Of course, Howard Marsden took the Ford money out of the Australian Open to put it into motorsport in that early 2000s when they got mm. lounge and they really heavily invested again. The question is, is Ford committed to motorsport? Though There's no doubt they'll be around, but are they committed to taking the step up they need to take to see off the Nissans, potentially Chryslers, potentially Hyundais entering the marketplace in V8, through V8 supercars? Tony? I think something like this, Craig, means that Ford need to make a decision on that if that's the case. If they're, if they're not committed, they damn well should be because they're going to drop the ball and uh, Nissan and other manufacturers are going to take, uh, once again, away something that these guys were a part of. I think if they, if they need to work that out, they need to do that pretty soon and find out exactly where they're at because uh, we know that their product is a little bit devalued at the, at the moment, I suppose, with two-thirds of the field being the Holden and uh, the other way going Ford's way. So if that gets less and less as time goes by, Ford may have no choice but to be not involved because they might not have any cars left. Mm. I... Well, the point there is that there, there is only four Ford teams in 2012, and one of those is a single-car team, and then you've got the Stone Brothers, Dick Johnson, and Ford Performance Racing. So with new vectors come in, it's very unlikely that Ford's going to go out there and join up with new teams. So, you know, they're in a very dangerous position where, you know, come 2013, 2014, you know, they could be left with a factory team and that's it. Mm. And, and that's exactly what I'm saying, Adrian. Either make the decision now to send some money out there and get some other teams across the line while you can and commit them for a long-term future or fall by the wayside could be the thing that might happen. Mm. And a critical thing is you, when you're picking teams, you want to pick a team that's already manufacturing cars and that then means while Stick Johnson Racing has the capacity there at the moment not manufacturing all the components and one rumour I've heard recently is that Stone Brothers Racing, who are currently Ford-backed, are the uh, ones that are actually linked to Chrysler now. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so it, 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 
It could get scary. It really could get scary. As I said, the, the product for Ford has been devalued in the last two years since uh, you know Triple Eight and those sort of teams started jumping over to the other side. Uh, if they don't watch themselves, uh, the, the decision may be made for them. Mm. It's certainly interesting time ahead. Now, I want, before we go here, Tony Shebeki, you go with the next manufacturer you think will be in the sport, and you could also give me... Who would you think is the most left-field entry to V8 supercars? In regards to a manufacturer? Yep. I really think the next manufacturer for my side is Toyota. I think now that Nissan have jumped on board, I think Toyota really seriously have to look at where they're positioning here in regards to motorsport in Australia. Uh, they've, so that's my thought on that. Left-field-wise, oh, I don't know, Mini? Okay. <laughs> Did I have to come up with a sensible one? No, you didn't. That was no. good. <laughs> Adrian? Um, I, I think Chrysler will be the next one to announce their entry. Um, I think that's only a matter of time. As for left field, I wouldn't rule out Kia. Um, I think yeah. they're a bit of a dark horse in all this. Not a manufacturer, but as we've seen with the tennis, I've been prepared to really push ships, and I think that would make sense for them to take their next step up in Australian market. Mm. I'm one... I've had a Kia Carnival up to 140k and they don't shake anymore, so that's a good start. <laughs> are you uh, testing out Mark Scaife's new uh, road rules, are you? He wants the speed limit of that. <laughs> Guys, a pleasure to catch up with you. We're looking forward to Clipsal, of course, and uh, and catching up with you there. But uh, thanks for joining us on the show. Once again, Tony Shebeki on the grid. It starts up very soon. Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, back next week, Craig, so looking forward to our first show the week before Clipsal and uh, we'll uh, have some interesting things to do, I'm sure, this year. And uh, Adrian, thanks to you, mate. No worries, thanks for having me. And um, the next VADX, by the way, will be out the week before Clipsal. Um, full season preview in that as well, so uh, end of February. All right, sounds great. And uh, after the break, it's the White Flag Laps. We speak to the new Frenchman in V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's Y-Flag Lab, we took the opportunity to catch up with the newest international in the V8 supercar field, Alex Premer, and we asked him what he thought of his first outing in the car. Yeah, well, I really enjoyed the first test. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a, a long uh, and good morning. Uh, I had many things to learn. Trikes, t- uh, team manager, engineer, mechanics, uh, cars and uh, tires, all these things, so... I think uh, I'm going through all this uh, process and uh, I think it's working quite well. On the wet condition, it, uh, the, the car was balanced quite good, so I had a really good feeling. On the dry condition, uh, it's, it's a bit different. I, I need to, to work on the tyre because it doesn't look the, the same uh, compound as uh, in Europe, so I need to work on that. But I was uh, really enjoyed to, to, to come here and to be on the first test uh, in Sundown. And uh, I will do my best. And uh, after that, uh, yeah, I just arrived uh, two days ago uh, by plane, so uh, with the jet lag. Uh, so it's quite hard, but uh, I will be fine. 
what made you seek a drive in Australia? Yeah, well, uh, you know, in Europe I had uh, a really good uh, professional career. And now in Europe it's really hard to, to get a good, uh, good steering wheel and uh, or to, to have some seat and a good championship. And uh, I wanted to, to go back in DTM, but it's yeah, because I have uh, unfinished business over there. But uh, never mind. Um, I was watching on the V8 Supercar on the TV and it looks really nice. And uh, when I spoke with Simon uh, Pagno and uh, Sebastian Bourdais uh, two weeks after the Golden Coast, then they... they they, they tell me about uh, how was the V8 uh, supercar, the atmosphere, the championship, the cars, the track, all these things. And uh, when we talk, then I say, oh, okay, maybe I should get in contact with some teams over there. And then uh, I get in contact uh, with uh, Gary Roger, and uh, we were going through all the process, and I'm happy to be here now. Mm. Was it a long process to work through your manager, or were you managing yourself? Yeah, I'm managing uh, everything. Yeah, yeah, so... I had, uh, at the beginning, I did some uh, some email to Gary and to Pierluigi Rossi, and then they answered me. Then we had a phone call, and then the, the process was going through between uh, December and January. And then after that, it has been really quick because on the 14th, uh, he called me, and then it's yeah, it's uh, three weeks after, and then I'm here for the test. So it's been really quick. Being so quick, how do you now move your life from the Northern Hemisphere to the Southern Hemisphere and what sort of timeline do you have for getting all the family things together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have uh, many things to, to do it because I was living in Paris. Uh, the life, it's not the same and uh, I had to pack all my, my clothes and uh, to rent my flat in Paris and all this process but in one week more or less because I got the news uh, just 10 days ago and uh, it's a lot, it's a lot. That's why that tonight uh, I go back to Europe. I have uh, the flight uh, from Melbourne to Dubai, Dubai to Paris at 10.35. So it's a really tight schedule, but I'm really happy to be there. And uh, I will come back next week with all the family, so with uh, my two daughters and my wife. And then next week, uh, next Saturday, I could just rest 10 days and before the first race in Adelaide. Well, it's a great time to come to Australia because Alliance Francaise has got the film festival, so you can see plenty of French film because uh, you won't be hearing a lot of French when you're on the radio. How is the communication starting, having to work in English full-time now? Yeah, well, I think it's, uh, I, I think I, I need to, to go in three, all, all the things uh, I need to... Because, you know, for French people, definitely we are not speaking so good English, so I need to, to be much better on that, but I think... Uh, after three weeks, three weeks, or not three months or four months, then I will get used and uh, everything will, will be okay. Well, we welcome you to Australia and look forward to seeing you at Clipsall. And what sort of goal do you set yourself for the year? What's your target to achieve? Yeah, well, uh, right now I don't have a dar- target because uh, I would say the target is quite huge because uh, I have to learn everything. I don't know any one of the tracks, so I have to learn quite quickly the tracks okay we have only three uh, three or four practice sessions so in 30 minutes so it's only two hours um, learning tracks so yeah I, I will do my best and uh, I think uh, the best things that I can do for this season is to finish the, more or less uh, all the races and to score points and then uh, there is 29, 29 races so I would like a uh, minimum to win race, uh, to, to, to win one race. I think it's, I think it's possible because I've seen many races in V8 and there is a, 
many safety car, all these things, procedures. So I think everything can be possible. You, in the, you have to be optimist and, uh, in your life, and I am, and uh, I will, gi- uh, I will give uh, all my best for, for Gary and for the team to bring the car to, to, to the victory. After that, I will try my best to do as many podiums as I can. <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, a long process, so I need to, to learn everything, and I think I, I could train uh, in Australia. My thanks to Alex Prama, also to Adrian Mussolino and Tony Shebecki as the checker flag waves over the, another edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time round, keep smiling, and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.